Welcome to Victory Church Winchester, Virginia's weekly podcast. Our desire is that you will find Victory a place to call home. Please take a moment to subscribe and share. Here is this week's message from our Sunday morning worship experience. If you guys can, uh, I love going and traveling to different churches and there's some, every church is unique. One of the unique things I've seen about this church is you have students on camera and slides all over the place. The fact that you're trusting the next generation with big, expensive equipment. Can you give yourselves a round of applause? And they're crushing it. Listen, I understand it's hard to trust the next generation. I heard somebody say the other day, though, though, is the next generation is not your replacements, they're your reinforcements, right? Right? Like, they're, they're here. These graduates are not, we're not sending them off like they're, they're going to replace us. We're sending them off to, to give us the energy. Because how many of you will agree that you don't have the same energy you used to have? <clears throat> right? My dad, used, my dad calls it a used to could. I used to could do all that. I used to could do all of it. And so, you know, students uh, around the room this morning, if you're, if you're graduating or if you're just a student, something that I want to encourage you with, I, that I hope you leave today with, is that you have more talent an ability in your pinky finger than I have left in my life. <laughs> Something that I have seen working with students is that I, I, as I'm coaching students, you know, in Youth Alive, our job is to help students share faith better. And so a lot of times that's us coaching them to be campus missionaries and on, their, on their high school, middle and high school campuses. So we try and train them to think, hey, what's a way that you can reach your friends, reach your students, communicate the gospel better? How are you going to talk about these things? And in these conversations, I have realized that they solve problems quicker than any generation ever in the history of the world. They are smart. They, the things that we're like, oh, well, could we use this or could we do that? I had six students, all in AP classes, get their schedules together by themselves and send me a PDF of when we could meet over the next three months in six minutes. Because, and I was in the group text and I was trying to get them to set up a meeting and, they, uh, and there was no communication going on. So I followed up and said, hey guys, are, are we okay? And they said, oh, we started another group text without you. We didn't want to bother you, right? They are so smart. And, and, and so here's my encouragement. And students, I, 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 I want to give this to you before you leave. What we're going to talk about today is something that I didn't learn really until I was about 25. And I hope that you can get it in your spirits, get it in your souls, so that you can avoid some of the mistakes that I made and then have some successes that I missed. Can we do that? And then your job, the rest of the congregation today, is to any student that looks like they might be in a graduating age, is to cheer them on for the rest of the day. You, you with me? Okay, come on, come on, let's do it. All right. The, the, more, the more feedback I get from you, the quicker we get to lunch. All right, that's, that's how I work. I grew up old school, Church of God, and that's how it works. So, guys... The title of my sermon this morning is Extended Family. My name is Aaron Nicholson. I'm your Youth Alive missionary, and it's my job to help your students share their faith better. We can talk about all of that later at a later time. Um, if you want to find any of our stuff, it's at Potomac Youth Alive. But it's, I believe that if we believe the gospel is important, then we should act like it's important. 
right? And so if we want to share our faith, then we should get good at sharing our faith. And the excuses of I'm nervous and I don't know exactly what to do are just that. They're excuses. They're good ones, but they're not something that we cannot overcome. We can overcome those things and we can get good at talking about Jesus because Jesus is a good God. Amen? All right. Before I start preaching, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity. I thank you for this church that believes in the next generation. I thank you for this church that passionately seeks your face, that serves their community. And God, I pray right now that you would help each and every one of us lock into what you would have us to do. Lord, that we would, our hearts would be changed. Lord, would you slow down my mind? Would you slow down my, my heart? Would you heighten my spirit so that it's not me performing on this stage, Lord, but it's that you speaking Lord, I thank you and I praise you. In your mighty name we pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. Guys, I just got to give a shout out before I get rolling to um, Pastor Sarah and Bradford. They are great friends and they are amazing people. If you don't know them, you should get to know them. And then Pastor Lenny is an incredible human being who always tells me where the best food around town is. So you've got, you know, if if you're looking for him... um, and then two of obviously Pastor Keith and the whole team. Uh, and then there's this guy who's got a camera over here. Please treat him like the Wizard of Oz. Do not look at the man behind the curtain. He is, uh, that's Jonathan Harbaugh. He is one of your very own from here. And two years ago on Father's Day, I had the privilege of speaking here. And in the back of the room, I saw a young kid. And the Lord put him on my heart to go talk to him. I said, hey, man. I remember you from camp. How are you doing? He said, hey, how are you? And I said, I need someone to travel with me um, when I'm on the road. I'm looking for a travel buddy. I was wondering if you'd be interested. He goes, that sounds cool. I said, do you like to do video and camera stuff? And he goes, yeah, because this just helps us communicate to our supporters. And so I texted him uh, two weeks later. And I said, hey, I'm actually traveling down. I've got a four-hour trip. You want to come? Now, what weirdo asked somebody to go on a four-hour drive with them as like their first engagement, right? This weirdo right here. And he said yes. That's two years ago. He now works with Youth Alive. He's our social media and our content director. He's incredible, and he's from your church. See, Jonathan is what I'm, I'm going to talk about today. Jonathan is extended family. How many of you grew up with like a lot of extended family? Not your sisters and your cousins that you had to go to, right? Because we don't get to choose those ones, right? We were stuck with them, whoever they are. And some of us like them, some of us don't, but that's a different sermon. But, but then you've got the extended family. And something I loved in my mom is, is uh, I grew up in, in like a, a house where there was no doorbell. You just walked in right? Like if you were family, you just walked in the door, right? We would go outside. Our friends would come over. We had lots of extended family. My friend Jamel, he wouldn't even call. He'd just come right over. And I loved growing up like that. Anybody else grow up like that? Yeah, Yeah, I loved it. Now, if you ring my doorbell, my wife and I duck behind the couch. We're trying to grab the gun and see who it is, right? We don't know, like, what is going on? But that's, when I grew up, it was different. We had extended family. Some of you are shaking your heads like, yeah, don't knock on my door, right? But the thing about this, the extended family is, is we kind of get to find them, right? We get to choose them. Jonathan, I found him in the back, and he's turned out all right. Now, here's the thing about extended family. They're not great all the time, right? Because sometimes... 
they hurt your feelings. Sometimes they disappoint you. Sometimes your friends let you down, right? But what do you do? You figure it out because they're worth it, right? Jonathan is worth it, right? And trust me, it's been a road sometimes. (laughs) I pick on them all the time, but I love them. And I love the fact that this idea of finding someone and sticking with them is what the gospel is all about. And when we read through Scripture, there's this idea of reconciliation that is all through Scripture. Think about it. In Genesis, we're separated from him, right? From God. And now there has to be this this reconciling. And so now we have the sacrificial system where God covers Adam and Eve. He sends them out and he gives them this opportunity to sacrifice things, and then come back into relationship with him. And he wants to use Abraham to do this thing. And Abraham is supposed to be the hope of the world and the light to all nations. And so he wants to still reconcile, even though we made a mistake. And then the Israelites, they go through this system, and then they go into this promised land that they're supposed to use as this, this kind of home base to spread the word of God everywhere, but they mess it up. And then he brings them back because he's like, now you need some judges and now you need some kings and now we need some people to keep you on track, some prophets. And the Israelites mess it up and then they're reconciled and then they mess it up and then they're reconciled and they go back and forth. And all this continues to happen and and then God says, you know what, I need to bring something even more to you than just this sacrificial system and these laws and this Levitical rule. I'm going to bring you my son as the ultimate sacrifice. And then Jesus begins to expand this reconciliation idea where he goes, you've heard it said, but I say, hey, this is good, but guess what, there's more. And, and listen, it doesn't matter if you're the broken person, the lame person on the street corner, or the blind man that I can't see, or the leper, or the ostracized, or the broken, come to me. It doesn't matter if you're a Samaritan, come to me. It doesn't matter if you're the worst, come to me, because I am the bread of life. I am the living water. And then he starts to do these miracles. And these miracles, see, did they prove his divinity? Yes. But I had a professor tell me this, and I absolutely loved it. He says, Jesus' miracles, every time their primary purpose was to bring people outside of the family back. The woman with the issue of blood could not participate in the reconciling system. Because she was broken. And Jesus says, your faith has made you whole. Not the sacrifice that you can't do, but your faith has made you whole. And then Jesus does these miracles of bringing people who shouldn't be allowed to be made whole, and he makes them whole. And he does this all the way to the ultimate miracle of the cross, where then he says, all of you who are broken, everybody, Jew, Gentile, Greek, free, slave, man, woman, black, white, purple, orange, green, old and young, come to me because I have made you whole. And he reconciles all people, past, present, and future on the cross, and it doesn't even stop there. 
Because then Paul becomes an apostle to the Gentiles, and his whole mission is to go to people who were not considered reconcilable and to say, come to him. Greeks, come to him. Those who have not been apart, come to him. To us in the room, he says, come to him. Now, this is what Galatians says. I'm going to give you Pastor Ann's version of Galatians today, and that was chapters 1 and 2. Okay? Because in chapters 1 and 2, Paul is talking about this idea of everybody should be invited to this, this gospel thing, and that it's by your faith, not by your works, that you're made whole. That we've all been considered, that we're all righteous in the eyes of God through our faith. And he does this in Galatians chapter 2, verse 16, where he says, Yet we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus in order to be justified by faith, not by works, because if it was by works, no one could be justified. Nobody could be righteous. All right, now this is something that we all probably know. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. But here's what I think Galatians shows us. Galatians shows us what the gospel is, and then how easy it is for us as church people to kind of twist it just a bit. And it's not that, it's not that I think church people ever have bad hearts, right? Now, I've had the privilege of seeing, I think it's 86 churches in the last five years. In every church, if I preach about the gospel, and I say something like this, God wants everybody in the world to be reconciled to him. He died on a cross so that we could be saved, not through the works of our hands, but through the belief of our heart. Everybody in church could say, Amen. Amen right? But somehow, and even Galatians shows us how easy it is that we just twist it a smidge. And it's not that the church is wrong. It's just that sometimes we may not be all the way right. Some chuckles, is that an agreement? (laughs) You know, I mean, we all have that auntie in our life, that around, like, Thanksgiving table talks some nonsense. And it's not that she's wrong. She's just not all the way right. You know, that weird uncle or that old grandpa who don't care anymore? He's not wrong, but he's not necessarily all the way Right. Now, in chapters 3 and 4 of Galatians, Paul starts to dig into what the church was going through, where the church was being um, separated on this tradition of circumcision. Okay? And so it's this idea that if you were coming to the faith, you too had to be circumcised. All the men in the room said, ooh. (laughs) Right? And so... I know you and I read that, and we go, why in the world would they care about circumcision? Why is, but they were fighting over this to the point that Paul was having to address it 
Because people were being told they weren't believers if they weren't circumcised. And that wasn't the only issue. There was festivals they thought they had to participate in. There was uh, holidays and traditions and circumcision. All of these things, ideas of the law, all of these were things that people in the church were like, you have to do these things to be right. Now, it doesn't sound like us today, but I'm going to read you a verse in Galatians chapter 2, verse 11. And if this doesn't sound like church people, I don't know what does. All right? This is Paul saying, When Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. Now, we all know that person, right? I told him right to their face. They thought they were going to come in the back door, but I saw them. That's my grandma. For better... For before a certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. Verse 14. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of all of them, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. Ooh, that sounds like a diss. <laughs> How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? Insert, you hypocrite, right there. Okay, so let me try and make this something that we have probably argued about. Um, how come you don't celebrate Christmas the same way that I've celebrated Christmas. Oh, and I saw you leave early from the small group because you felt uncomfortable with what we were talking about. And I haven't seen you since then, but you used to come all the time, and now you don't even come to the potluck anymore. And I just think that you should know that you're wrong. Does it sound like church? Pastor, why is the flag not on the stage anymore? Pastor, why don't we celebrate... Why don't we celebrate with the old hymns like we used to anymore? Pastor, why don't we highlight the missionaries like we used to anymore? Pastor, pastor, pastor. And we get separated and we get divided by traditions. Now, is it that we're wrong? No. But are we all the way right? Because it wasn't that, that, they were, that this wasn't something that should be discussed, but what was happening was the discussion was starting to create division in their gatherings. And then people were starting to cluster into groups and starting to get together and talk about things and starting to go like, did you hear what Sarah did? Oh, I heard her small group only got four people, right? And we start to talk about things that we should probably talk about in public, but we start talking about them in private. Come on, I'm preaching than y'all, better than y'all are in this morning. I'm stepping on, see, this is why I start getting jazzed up a little bit, because this is a passion of mine. Because you want to know what students see? Come on. All of it. You want to know what people see? The division. They don't see us worshiping together because they're not here. But you know what they hear? The gossip at Applebee's. 
They see that you left that church because you were hurt and you were broken. They see that the church has gone up and down in numbers. They see that they see the division. They don't see the togetherness. So it's not that I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to poo-poo on the party this morning, I promise. But it's not that we're wrong. It's that it's hard to keep ourselves in the lane of the gospel, in the lane of reconciliation, in the lane that I'm going to do the hard work to make sure that everybody can come back to him. It's hard. It's hard. And so my first point today, and there's not three, so you don't have to be worried. So my first point today is that if we're not careful, our messages can sound like soapboxes. If we're not careful, our messages can sound like soapboxes. And again, nothing I'm going to say is going to be wrong, so you can amen if you want to. But culture, I've heard this a lot in churches. I've preached things like this before, okay? And that's where we go. Man, we live in a crazy culture. A culture that's so divided and messed up. I'm raising kids who are going to school, and I'm not sure what school they should go to. I'm not sure if I should send them to school at all. Because I don't want people who don't have the same belief system that I have to be imparting that knowledge into my kids. I want to protect my kids. I want to own the right to parent my kids. And we used to be a nation founded on Christian beliefs. We used to be a nation where we all agreed that we had one nation under God, indivisible, right? We used to be people of prayer, but they took prayer out of schools. We used to do all these things. But the Bible says that the truth will set you free. And I don't care what other people say. I'm going to stand on truth. Get some amens, right? Come on. We've heard this sermon. We've said this at small groups. We said this at tables. That's what they hear. What they don't hear is I wonder why the person in the LGBTQ community is so broken. I wonder why they're hurt and they believe that politics will change their life more than Jesus. I wonder what happened in their life that they thought that they could trust a stranger before they trusted me. I wonder why. I wonder why. But they don't hear that because we're so busy speaking truth. We get so caught up on if the LGBTQ person can sing on the stage and how offended we're going to be if they can or can't that we never take a time to step down and say, have I prayed for them once? Have I asked them about their life once? Have I given pastor the benefit of the doubt when he's made a decision I've disagreed with once? Okay, I'm jumping. That's church. That's church. That's church. But culture, if there's any students in here, they would agree, I think. Culture sees the church not as this open-armed, loving, reconciling entity that wants to care for them in their times of crisis. They see them as judgmental and hurtful. And why do you think that is? 
It's because I think I've spent too much time on my soapbox. And students, don't spend so much time on your soapbox that you forget about the people. We'll get to some more of that in a second. But the second one that I hear about, and I'm a pastor, so I talk to a lot of pastors, is churches. And if you get any pastors together for any amount of time, guess what we start talking about? The four Bs. Buildings, butts, budgets, and buzz. That's what Kerry Newhoff calls them. Buildings. How we, what we building? How's the church doing? How are we expanding? Budgets. How's the money? Oh, you had a big tither died? Mm, you're going to need a few more families. That's funny if you're a pastor. Butts. How many butts are in the seat? And buzz. What's the community saying about us? Now, are these things wrong? No. They're measurables for how we're doing. But are they all the way right? Because I can get up here and I can, and look, this church, we can do it for this church. You guys are building a brand new facility for feeding people in your community. Be excited about it. Come on. You have a brand new park that my kids are going to use. Be excited about that. I am. I pulled up. I said, glory days. You guys, your budgets. I've talked to Pastor Keith a little bit behind closed doors, and I know that you guys are doing better than you've been doing in years. That's incredible. We should be excited about that. Buildings, budgets. But I was here two years ago. There's about 40 people in the room. Look at you now. You guys have people watching online that are part of this congregation from a distance. That's exciting. And then Buzz, you guys, your VBS is incredible. And I've talked to people in the community about your VBS. We're excited about it next week. People are excited about it. That's awesome. Buildings, Buzz, Buzz, and Buzz. You guys are killing it. It's exciting. But what we never talked about while I was up there was whose life has been changed by the power of Jesus Christ. Because that is the whole point of the gospel. And it's so hard to stick on. And whether it's circumcision or a brand new building, it's not that it's wrong. It's just hard to do that and stay all the way right. And again, I'm not saying there's anything wrong. I'm so excited for your building. But what I'm trying to say is while we're doing this, we have to continually remember that it's about, that is a tool to be used to bring people to Jesus. And if it's not bringing people to Jesus, am I willing to throw it all away? Am I willing to burn this place to the ground if it means one more person can come to know Jesus? But they hear us talking about our buildings and stuff, and it doesn't come across like it's reconciling. And then this one, this one we got to do like the altar call. That's why I had my man come up here. Because this one, when we talk about self, I'm going to hurry, I'm going to hurry. This one I get really good at. 
as a preacher. Because this one sounds a little bit like this. Many of you people in the room are struggling. You've got families who are broken. You might be struggling with anxiety, depression. There's some, there's some financial issues in your life. And you need God to touch that this morning. Can I tell you that God is a God of exceedingly and abundantly more? Can I tell you that you can come to this altar and feel the presence of the Lord and he will meet you where you're at? That in your weakness, he is made strong? Can I tell that to you this morning, that God is a God who wants to be with you? And then we come up, come on, give him give some praise, that's good. But then, and we will even come up and we'll, and we'll sing songs like, Fill me up, God. Fill me up, God. And we'll feel that. We'll feel that, right? And our lives will be changed by it. And here's the thing. This is a soapbox that I want to stand on. Because working with students, you want to know the one thing that keeps a student close to Jesus more than anything else? It's an encounter with Jesus. An encounter with the Holy Spirit. And listen, I'm, I'm Pentecostal, so I believe that there is an anointing and, a, and a, this, this mighty empowerment that it talks about in Acts 1-8 where the Holy Spirit will come upon you and that, it is, that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I believe that. And nobody can take that away. You want to know what happens when people start to out-talk me and out-think me? When people start to out-theology me. I go back to, I can't shake the moment that I had with Jesus. You know, my kids are five, five and two and, and five months old. And you know what I want for them more than anything? An encounter with Jesus. Because when they go off to where I can't go, I want them to know that they themselves have a direct access to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. <clears throat> and Acts 1.8 says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to go. It doesn't say that you will receive power so that you feel powerful. It doesn't say you will receive power to overcome your problems. It doesn't say that you will receive power to make your life better. It says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you so that you can go. Now this is chapters 5 and 6. Because after Paul talks about the issues that divide us, he starts talking about this Holy Spirit that empowers us. And he goes to Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 and 23, which you should all know it's the fruits of the Spirit. You receive the Spirit, and the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. He says you will receive these things, and out of your life will come these things. But here's what I noticed. All of these things come to life when they interact with someone else. Because it's good for me to love, let's start with joy. It's good for me to have joy. But if I'm a person of joy, and I'm bringing joy, ooh, hallelujah. 
If I'm bringing joy, if I'm bringing life, it changes lives. I don't want to hold joy to myself. If I have love and I love myself, that's good. But I can get that in therapy. But if I take this love and I love the unlovable and the difficult to love and I love the people that it's not easy and I remember that it's all about reconciling people, that is where the fruit of the Spirit begins to bear more fruit. Because then I'm going and this fruit becomes this discipleship tool and people become extended family. Where I look at them and I say, I don't want to leave you here. Come to me. I don't care that you have blue hair and voted for Democrats. I don't care that you're eight years old and voted for Trump. I just flipped it on you there, didn't I? I don't care that you disagree with me. I don't care that I don't have the right answer yet. I refuse to be a person who stands here accepting the love of Jesus and never giving the love of Jesus. Because this is good and this is right. But it's not all the way right. To be all the way right, I've got to get down and I've got to turn my podium over my soapbox over and I've got to go to people and I've got to say give me your burdens give me your hurts give me your pains what's up give me your stuff because I may not know how to figure it out but it says his yoke is easy and his burden is light give it to me give it to me put it in here Put it in here and I'll help you carry it. It's heavy. I know it's heavy, but I'll help. I'll help. But to do that, we have to use the same tools that let us get up on a soapbox and speak truth are the same tools that God wants to use to help us to reach the people around us. Are we willing to be all the way right? Because the truth of the gospel is that it is here to reconcile all people to him. Amen? Can I tell you one more story before I go? Real quick. I have a friend, and she is a foster mom. And uh, she has adopted, or sorry, fostered a, a boy. We'll call him M. And M is severely autistic. I think this was about five or six years ago. And when she got M... Um, he's nonverbal, and he would rock a lot, and, and it was very, very difficult. And she was the foster mom, and uh, his biological mom had had issues and had multiple children and had lost all of her children to the system. And, and my friend was an amazing mom to M. And I remember the first time that I met M, um, he, he rocked back and forth, and he came up to me, and he grabbed my hand, and then he did, he did this in my hand. And, and he put his head on my arm. And I didn't know what it meant. And I said, what is he doing? What, what does this mean? And she goes, he wants you to tickle him. 
I said, how'd you figure that out? She goes, trial and error, baby. <laughs> and he really liked to be tickled, the sensory thing he was into. But he's nonverbal, so he's, uh, uh. And after years of being a mother to M and going through the system where you can't adopt him, you cannot adopt him, he's going back with his mom, he's not going back with his mom, up, down, left, right, back, forward, the emotional roller coaster that is. Any moms in the house, you, I mean, you can empathize. And I watched her go through this with such grace until recently, M went back to his mom. And my friend was so happy. Because all of you in the room were like, ugh. I was the same way. I was like, why didn't she get to adopt him? She's a great mom. She's been the one who's been there the whole time. But see, what that is, is that's true. But it's not reconciliation. Reconciliation is harder. Because no matter what part of the gospel you're talking about, you can't get away from the fact that there is a price to pay for the gospel to be known. Are we willing to pay it? She paid five years of raising a nonverbal, autistic, amazing little boy so that the mom could have enough time to get her life together so that they could be reconciled again. And that's even more beautiful than I think what we want. So this morning, my question as I leave you is this. The world doesn't need our soapbox. People need our capacity. And is reconciliation your first priority? What does it look like, as Galatians 6, 2 says, to carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry one another's burdens. So church, this morning, worship team is going to play one song for us, I believe. And here's my call. And it's not a great altar call. Not, people don't really like this one that much, but I'm leaving, so here it is. Can I call us to repentance? Jonathan, can you help me with these two boxes? Can I call us to come and just stand in front of maybe one of them that you might have been, I won't say guilty, because I don't think we've sinned, but maybe we just haven't been aware that we've been on a soapbox. Can I call us as a church to take a couple minutes and say, Lord, forgive me, and help me to be all the way right. It's 11.14. Can we do it for two minutes? And then I'll let the rest of you want to go to lunch. You can leave. Can we do that? Can you stand your feet with me? Because the goodness of God should be shared. So I'm going to say a quick prayer. And then feel free to come to the altar and worship with us. And then Pastor Lenny, I'll let you go and close this out and dismiss.
Lord, I thank you so much for this amazing opportunity that we have. Lord, to remember and understand the truth of the gospel, that it is to reconcile the difficult to you. Lord, you died for us, and so I pray that we would be the tools that are used for you. Lord, would you forgive me, God, this morning for the moments that I've missed because I've been so busy focused on just my truth that I've lost track a little bit of the truth. So God, would you allow us to just be a church that reaches the lost, that reaches the many? Would you be a church, would we be a church that's so focused on you that we don't have any time to get distracted by our own self and our own traditions? Lord, be with us. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Our vision is that you would experience Victory Church as a place to call home. We do this by encountering God through worship, embracing community through relationship, and expanding the kingdom of God through service. Find out more about Victory at victorywinchester.com.